Welcome to the 37th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast with your hosts, Brent Hershey and me, Chris Blessing. We've got a big episode for you today. We're joined by a guest, Baseball HQ writer Jock Thompson, and we will talk about the Futures game, which both Brent and Jock attended on Saturday night. Brent, how are you doing in sunny California? Uh, liking, the, liking the weather out here, liking the non-humidity. Uh, which I know uh, would be appealing to you too, as well, Chris. Uh, <laughs> yes. But yes, we are having a uh, having a great weekend with the Futures game. We're heading to the uh, Home Run Derby tonight, and of course, All Star Game on Tuesday. So uh, it's a it's been a great weekend so far. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm at Jekyll Island right now for an appraisal conference uh, oh, where I'm a vendor. Yeah, I could be. It's pouring rain right now, and I'm also inside uh, exhibit <laughs> hall. That they're going to have a charity auction in later today, so um, uh, they're they're going to be auctioning off a bunch of Braves uh, um, paraphernalia. You know how I uh, love the Braves, uh, so yeah. it's like I, I'm Pony in the up. right place here. I'm right place, <laughs> right time. Um, so since I was on the other coast during the Futures game, I only got to watch the game this morning. Actually, uh, Brent yeah. and Jock were both at the game, including at batting practice, which is really the main attraction. Uh, for folks like us, uh, before we get to their accounts of the game, uh, we want to introduce Jock to our podcast audience. Brent, you do the honors. Sure. Uh, Jock Thompson is uh, our director of uh, playing time, kind of over helps oversee on, on Baseball HQ, hopes, helps oversee the uh, playing time today and playing time tomorrow, has been a, a long time uh, contributor to Baseball HQ, uh, almost yearly uh first pitch arizona um attendee uh has written uh tons of stuff uh on keeper columns uh and is involved in dynasty league so jock we are uh, glad to have you and your perspective here with us today i'm glad to be here i haven't been on a podcast in a long time i kind of fell out of that uh, that rhythm but uh, coming on with you guys is always fun now i'm not traveling to the exotic places you guys are traveling to right now i just have to stay at home here but uh, I'm glad the All-Star Game and the Futures Game are here because it's been a lot of fun having you here this week, Brent. Yeah. Tell us uh, specifically what types of uh, – you're in several dynasty leagues, is that right? Can you tell us quickly uh, about what those uh, – what formats those are and, and uh, how, how you – how that enhances your interest and in following prospects? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I play mostly Dynasty, pretty much exclusively Dynasty. I, I do have a Tout Wars draft and hold league, but uh, other than that, I, I don't draft from scratch every year. So my, my focus is pretty narrow. I, 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 uh, I look at, I, I tend to pay more attention to prospects that uh, are on my teams, obviously, or that are, that are free agents and that I'm scouting at the lower levels. And also yeah. prospects that I write about for the AL West and, and the NL West stuff that I do at Baseball HQ. But uh, I got to hone in on a few players uh, both in both categories yesterday and or the last couple of days. And it's been fun. Yeah, good. Uh, well, like yeah, that's, said, we're... that's awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just I just was going to we're glad to have you here and uh, it'll be fun doing a 
doing a threesome as we uh, talk about this uh, these, this group of players uh, that we saw on Saturday. Now, I wouldn't call this a threesome. I'm, I'm going to probably get out <laughs> uh, yeah, of the room right. <laughs> while you uh, – yeah, that's a little no, no, little, no, little no. too no, much no. there, Brent. A little trio, risque. Trio. Uh, a little this risque. A there you go. A trio. This is a trio. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to take the chance to quickly recap some of the highlights of the Futures game, things that I watched this morning, like Yankees prospect Jason Dominguez and Twins prospect Matt Walner and the eventual Futures game MVP athletics prospect Shea Langoliers uh, hitting home runs for the American League team. Um, the Rockies, uh, their outfield prospect, Zach Veen, had a multi-hit game. He actually got to play the whole game. Uh, and, and the real juice in the NL was uh, well, what, I, what you got to see in the center field, which was pretty impressive, uh, with both D-backs prospect Corbin Carroll and Cubs prospect Pete Crow Armstrong showing off their skills uh, as future leadoff hitters. Um, uh, on the pitching side, Mariners prospect Emerson uh, Hancock got uh, three strikeouts in a scoreless inning. And uh, the home team, the Dodgers prospect, Bobby Miller, impressed in his one inning of work uh, when he was able to throw strikes. Uh, and yeah. He struck out three guys as well. Uh, so the American League won six to four in the seven inning context. Um, oh, and there was also Mason Wynn, who threw a dart from shortstop to first base that was 101 miles per hour or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I, I had to sound off, uh, but they kept on showing it on the on the broadcast. Yeah. So did I miss anything from that? Um, I know that that was a quick recap, but it really and truly we're here mostly to talk about the batting practice. But. You know, I feel like I covered the game. Did I do a good enough job? Yeah. Uh, Jock, were there any game impressions, uh, anything that Chris mentioned or something that uh, no, he didn't that you no, that kind of no. stood out to you? No, he obviously watched the game. Um, I, had, <laughs> I had notes on, on my thing. The things that stood out were the three home runs. None of them were cheap. I mean, I guess Walner's down the line was was the shortest, but it went out like a laser. And uh, the, yeah. the outfield defense was really impressive. There were some errors in the thing, but but the outfield defense and the home runs were what really stood out to me. Yeah. How about, how I was about you, Brent? Uh, the one guy that you hadn't mentioned that I was interested in seeing and was impressed by was Ricky Tiedemann, too. Uh, 94, 95 from the left side and kind of a, um, you know throwing a slider in there around 80. Um, I, you know, kind of a late later... Our guy has gotten some helium recently this year anyway. And uh, that was my first look at him. And uh, again, we were in the press box kind of further away than, than uh, what I often see prospects at, as you do kind of from behind home yeah. plate, but from where I was at and, and kind of tracking the velocities and stuff, uh, Tiedemann was, uh, was quite impressive um, on the mound side. And I was really interested in seeing Hancock too, um, who was like you said, uh, you know, struck out the side, uh, 97 and that and that change up i mean was just uh was pretty filthy um i don't think he threw any breaking balls but uh you know during that one inning anyway uh having those two pitches uh and a really uh smooth delivery repeatable <laughs> that kind of thing uh hancock is someone that uh, for me in the game anyway kind of uh um you know uh, ra- raised my awareness uh of, of what he uh, could be right. The, the yes. Mariners just keep uh, keep cranking out these uh, pitchers like they like it they know what they're doing. It's seemingly <laughs> their their thing. Uh, I think what impressed me most about him, and uh, you could tell, and and 
I think we saw the real Bobby Miller guy that struggles with command uh, with really yeah. good stuff. Uh, but I think a lot of guys get into this situation um, and want to blow the, you know, get on the highlight uh, reel, uh, blow everybody away. And I felt like yeah. Hancock of all the pitchers kind of stayed within himself. And so yeah. you got you got a better impression of what he is compared to maybe Bobby Miller or Taj Bradley or some of the other guys that pitched um, um, yeah. for either team. So um, yeah. I think that that kind of sums up the game part of it. Um, uh, the thing is, is uh, for for listeners, and I don't know why they don't broadcast batting practice. That's really the futures yeah. game's nice, uh, but the batting practice is is a show. Uh, and it's that that's yeah. it's a fun thing because you get to see a bunch of kids um, hitting the ball as far as they possibly can. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, one of the Phillies prospects years ago. I, that's how I knew Rise Hoskins was from his futures yeah. game batting practice. I, like he was uh-huh. a tactician there. He wasn't like he was hitting the ball really far, but like. I felt yeah. like it was the same batting practice he had all the time where then yeah. you saw guys, you know, in, in, in future years, like Joe Adele, just trying to, you know, hit the scoreboard, uh, you know, out there in, in Cleveland. So like, it's a different atmosphere every time. So, um, mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to turn this over to the both of you. And I'm going to start out and I'm going to let, we'll let Jocko first. Who yeah. was the guy that impressed you the most, uh, during batting practice, power-wise? <laughs> power-wise, it was John Kenzie Noel, who just really just let it fly. He wasn't trying to go to the opposite field. A lot of the hitters were were actually spraying the ball around. They were trying to go to right field. They were trying to hit it out to right field for sure. But John Kenzie Noel, the Cleveland uh, corner infielder, was just airing it out, and he hit some monstrous shots. Now, mm-hmm. Brent and I talked about it, and I think Brent made a tweet about how he's all or nothing. And uh, right now he's all um, at this particular moment. Um, he just, he aired it and he had, he was a big guy. He has amazing power. Obviously uh, when you get into a game, it's it's a little bit uh, different, but uh, power wise, he was the one that really kind of jumped out at me. Oh, well, how yeah. about you, uh, Brent? Brent, I, I know he probably took your answer, but you, you give me a, give me a number two on this one. Sure. Uh, I mean, well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly touch on a couple guys. Corbin Carroll, it's the first time I've saw, seen him live, and uh, he was in the first round. I think he might have been the first player, and boy, the ball just jumps off his bat. Again, not a huge guy, but one of these um, guys, and I know we've talked about him, you, um, earlier in the year, uh, you know, talked about him a lot, uh, but, you know, Lee, seeing, seeing him live and in that batting practice uh, round, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, quite a legit amount of pop from, a from a smaller, uh, kind of frame and, you know, not going to be a huge home run guy, but just the, the exit velocities and stuff that it looked like was coming off there. Um, I was really impressed by Carol. Um, the other guys in a similar way, and you mentioned him too, is Pete Crow Armstrong. I mean, there are some aspects of his swing, I think that are, flatter and more linear but like he got into the last couple of rounds and he was definitely lifting the ball more and uh you know i know that there's been uh articles and talk about you know some swing changes he's made in the past year uh missed, missed a lot of 2021 due to injury um but i think he's another as you said sort of a future leadoff 
guy that's going to have some uh, some pop to him too. Um, and so those those two, uh, oh well, as well as uh, Francisco Alvarez, which I mean, I, you know, I watched him last year um, and at the Futures game as well as uh, a couple times uh, in BP when he was with Brooklyn and during the during some high A games that I had seen. I mean, <laughs> this guy is just the you know again just the sound that comes off his bat. Uh, he's built like a you know, he's, he's a thick and built short, like a catcher, but just so much strength. And obviously the coordination, the ball just sounds, you know, gives that different sound coming off of his bat. And again, for the second year in a row, I mean, uh, he just was hitting rockets, uh, all over the field. Um, so those three, I think were okay. uh, for me on the NL side, anyway, guys that stood yeah, out. Alvarez, Alvarez would have been my second pick too. He jumped out like Brent said, the ball yeah. jumps off his bat. He was going to all fields. He's, he really looks like he's going to play. Yeah. So, Jock, so this is a question for Jock. Your uh, AL West is, is kind of your coverage. Um, uh, who impressed you from the American League West um, uh, during batting practice? Well, the guy that I looked at hardest was Yenard Diaz, who I don't think is going to be a star, but uh, um, he, he, was, he was spraying the ball everywhere, and uh, he has – Good bat to ball skills, and the reason I was curious about him, obviously he's a Houston, he's a Houston catcher. Um, from a playing time standpoint, Houston really could use an offensive option at catcher going forward, and and uh, they're going to have uh, Jason Castro who turns into a free agent uh, next year, if not before. Uh, you've got Diaz in AAA; he just got promoted there. This is a guy with really good bat to ball skills, and I watched some video of him hit two monster home runs to right field in a game against Albuquerque. Now, yes, it was in Albuquerque. That's something that you have to consider. But he does go very well to right field. He has good bat-to-ball skills, and the power is, is at least average. So he interested me, and I watched the bat-to-ball skills, and I saw him again in the game. He got two singles, and he chases yeah. a little bit. He, he, he went out of the zone, I, I think, on that fourth at bat to try to get that third hit and win MVP, um, but it didn't come about. Um, I kind of like him going forward, not a star, but think uh, think kind of a utility guy who, uh, you know, might get 300, 400 bats in, in a good year and uh, play catcher in first base. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, Diaz was acquired in a deal uh, with Cleveland for Miles Straw yes. and uh, Straw. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess the Guardians saw Straw as uh, you know their future center fielder, and they gave him the big uh, extension this year. Great uh, defender and that kind of thing. Uh, I really thought that like this was a great deal for the Astros. Yes, they got Matan as a reliever, but uh, Diaz had really uh, last summer created a buzz uh, with his bat, um, and then of course his receiving skills. So I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I, you know, really didn't expect to hear his name when I mentioned that when uh, Shay Langliers was also in uh, in the uh, discussion of AL West players. Um, Brent, I'm going to put you on the on the spot. Uh, Shay Langliers is he? Uh, where would he, where do you think he ends up in? Let's say a fantasy ranking for catchers. Yeah, I mean, he was another one whose uh, BP was was really solid, and and you saw, um, you know, good skills for him throughout the game. I I do think, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely a, you know, a, a top top uh, ten, top five possibly 
uh, you know, once a couple of years out, once we get rolling, um, obviously it's not a great park to hit in there in Oakland no. at this point. No. Um, but, uh, but he showed, you know, he showed some, has shown some, uh, impressive results, uh, both during the year and, uh, here over this weekend that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the up and coming, you know, this wave of catchers, as we've talked about, uh, a couple of times in the minor leagues with some, uh, you know, some pretty, uh, pretty good offensive potential, uh, which of course we definitely can use, uh, from a fantasy perspective. I know it's, it's uh, what, what, what's your yeah, I was yeah, going to say, ahead. what's your impression? Because you had followed Lang Lears a lot, uh, you know, in the in the Braves organization, obviously, before that trade. And I, I know you were high on him then. Well, I know they didn't want to give him up. And I know that the, you know, the Matt Olson deal, um, they needed essentially to give him up to get Matt Olson. Um, yeah. Because they really didn't want to get uh, get rid of uh, Michael Harris Jr., obviously. Uh, yeah. but Langliers is a guy that was a solid defender, uh, with good power and he has really remade his swing, uh, to be able to get to more contact, which has also helped his power uh, game. I really uh, love the angles of his fly balls specifically to the gaps. Uh, mm-hmm. they seem to carry, they seem to, uh, you know, have those legs that you want to see out of a slugger. Uh, for me, I, it's really hard to see. Uh, I mean, it's such a great catching crop that we have yeah. the last couple yeah. years. And I kind of, I have him as a top 10 guy, but not necessarily um, into the top five yet with guys like uh, Gabriel Moreno making their major league debut, Adley Rushman making their major league debut. Yeah. Uh, and then you also got fra- Francisco Alvarez and uh, Kibut Ruiz and uh, uh, Diego uh, Cartaya. I can't, I'm probably pronouncing yeah. that name wrong. Um, no. But like the, there's, there's a very good crop of, um, of catchers out there, which makes it, I, I know as a ranker, it makes it very hard to insert these guys into, um, you know, top list. Uh, I know that all of us participate in HQ 100 every, every year. Um, seeing this catching crop, has it changed the way either of you rank, uh, catchers? Um, I know that that's a very, uh, high fail, um, sort of, um, you know, subset of players. Has that changed yeah. the way that you rank them? Um, you, you have to consider you're, 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 you're posing a problem that I think we're all wondering about right now, because you're right. You're absolutely right. There's a great catching crop coming up. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I, I tend to look for opportunity. Obviously it's one reason. One reason I brought up Diaz is because I have him now on a couple of my teams. And I think he has opportunity with the, uh, 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 Yuli Gurriel is going to be a free agent next year. And at 38, I don't think the, the Houston's going to sign him. But getting back to the catchers, yeah, I, I haven't seen a crop like this in a long time. How about you? Yeah, Brian? and I I think uh, I think it does. I mean, the catching position, you know, being so difficult to transition to the, uh, especially with all that's involved defensively to the major league level, uh, you know, you add that to just the, the general transition and the and the fail rate the first time fail rate anyway of of a lot of the top prospects uh, hitting prospects across the board it just makes it really uh you know really challenging to um to rank these guys because of that kind of dual uh effect that you have to 
keep in mind there. Um, you, know, you got guys like Rutschman who obviously struggled for the first, uh, you know, four, six weeks and now is hitting a little better. Um, you know, someone like a uh, young guy like Cal Raleigh has come on in the past several weeks, but it took, you know, it took him a good year or so of exposure to kind of uh, come through. And, and, you know, so as we always talk about just this game of adjustments, once, once those guys make some adjustments, uh, you know, they learn more about what Raleigh's doing, for instance, just out of, you know, uh, doing well, uh, they'll attack him differently and it'll be up to them, up to the hitter, then the catchers to kind of readjust in there. So it's, it is a really, yes, really challenging time. It's exciting to have, uh, the choices like this instead of, uh, you know, the all defense guys like, uh, Austin Hedges and Martin Maldonado or whatever for our fantasy teams, but it also makes it more challenging to try to, uh, fit those guys in and figure out, you know, the timeline of this, like when, how long does that transition uh, to the majors with their offense kind of take? Uh, yeah, relative, relatively speaking, it's a lot easier to pick a catcher for a dynasty league than it is a year-to-year league, obviously. That's true. Yeah, yeah. right. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, so one more futures uh, game question, uh, really BP question, and that is related to what is who is one guy and i'll let brent go first that like you came into batting practice and you're kind of like eh, whatever and i know like noel um i i'm gonna disqualify him from this question because like that's all that's all he is is power um but like who is one guy that you were like sitting there and going oh my god this guy is a lot better than i thought um you know i i will call this the hoskins guy um essentially yeah. of this year's class um, um yeah. hitting class yeah i'm going to go i'm going to go with matt walner uh of the twins huh. <laughs> uh just because i uh it was someone that i was not focused on much at all like knew a little bit about um and and there's certainly it's not a perfect profile, uh, you know. There's as you know his stats show. I mean, there's tons of swing and miss currently, uh, in you know in double A and triple A. Um, it's a definite, you know, it's it's trending towards a three true outcomes uh, thing, uh, you know, in the in the majors. But both, you know, the batting practice again. It's a that's a different animal. But like I was just wasn't aware of the raw power that was there. Uh, he hit, you know, just tank after tank uh, in batting practice. Um, you know, had I mean, had some swing characteristics to me very similar to Joey Gallo. Which obviously, there are flaws there, but like that, you know, it's nearing that type of of power when he gets to it. And in the game, you know, you saw what what he could do again, hitting hitting that home run in the game. So that's a guy to me that was sort of a fringe guy that I wasn't really uh, that tuned into from just a pure power perspective again, which, you know, which plays in our game uh, has definitely popped up a little higher uh, on my radar not a superstar, but just a, you know, a different uh, changed my outlook on what, what he could be. Okay. How about you, Jock? Yeah, I laugh because Brent stole my pick. I stole his, you know, the last time. Walner was, <laughs> yeah. Walner, Walner was the same for me. We were both seeing the same things. Uh, Walner was a guy I hadn't heard much about. I knew he was a big guy and that he that he had good power. And that home run was like a lightning bolt. I think that might have been. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't the hardest ball hit, it was certainly one of the hardest balls hit in the 
in the game. I went back to check his his walk rate, and it has skyrocketed this year. That's one thing mm-hmm. that I'm really impressed with, you know, on on Walmer. So I will be looking out for him. The guy that I had never seen before, who I, I'd obviously heard about, uh, and who really impressed me, though, was Francisco Alvarez. He looks like he's going to be a beast. That's awesome. And that's awesome to hear because I just uh, picked up an Alvarez uh, share in a. Uh, there you dumping go. of a dumping of a guy uh, <laughs> recently, and I hate picking up catchers in in deals, but it just made yeah. sense. It made sense. So, uh, just to transition, just a tad. Um, last night, uh, Brent was able to attend the draft in uh, L.A., and I heard that it was a different experience because it was outside. Um, I didn't <laughs> actually get to watch it. I just was paying attention to it on the clicker and. Uh, um, I, it was it was an interesting draft to say the least. Uh, what were your impressions about being there? Uh, you know, it's a it's a fun thing to be a part of. Uh, it was a little uh, some of the conditions for me uh, being outside where I was sitting. Uh, some of the press stuff they had like right in the hot sun that wasn't necessarily uh, exciting. But they you know they tried to make it a big show um and there's a lot of you know there's a lot more national attention there MLB network was set up and espn was set up um you know uh rob manfred got booed like he did last year every time he came out just about um but it was uh it was also really interesting because uh and i think maybe and maybe uh, someone from baseball america tweeted this out is that when uh there wasn't sort of an audible gasp in the whole crowd when they announced uh, Kubar Rocker at number three. Um, you know, I know that that just, uh, you know, overturned uh, a lot of teams uh, plans or hopes. Um, but that's, you know, that's what happens in these things. It's, it's uh, fun to see uh, teams adjust. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, the most plugged in guy to all the amateur stuff. I uh, do, do, uh, you know, familiar with the names and that sort of thing. And I know, uh, Chris, you certainly are more of that. And, uh, but it's, a, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely a fun event to, uh, to be a part of. And it's interesting to, to hear the guys, uh, to hear the, the draftees that were there in person, uh, you know, doing their first interviews and that kind of thing, uh, just give you some insight, but overall it was a, uh, it was a good time. What what I was interested in uh, was you already answered was how that Kumar Rocker deal uh, yeah. went. I I did not expect that uh, at all, yeah. and I don't think anybody in the industry expected that either. No. And and so that was kind of what y'all were talking about. There was like that was a shocking, uh, yeah. that was a shocking turn of events. Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, I just think that. You know, it definitely it definitely affected. I my hunch is from again reading other things that you know teams further down in the teens were ones that were considering you know taking that risk really at that point um, because of the return and so to have that happen all the way you know all the way up at number three um, yeah. was uh, was quite a you know it's it's just this what happens you know it's just it was fun to be a part of. Uh, to kind of see that and to uh, see the different media reactions and and uh, chatter uh, about that about that pick uh, and now here uh, you know Monday morning it sounds like they've got him signed already which I know you know they kind of worked that out ahead of time but uh, you know he's uh, he's a full on Ranger reunited there with Jack Leiter and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see 
you know, how quickly uh, he moves along um, and gets to the majors. I think he's obviously one of the more MLB-ready guys at this point, it seems like. Yeah, it was a good gamble by them. They're gambling on that upside, and there's probably not as uh, – this draft didn't have as much pitching upside from the – from the college ranks as previous uh, drafts. So uh, if you needed a college arm, that's what they were going for. And, you know, all that money that they spent uh, in free agency last year, they got to get these arms up there soon. And so I think yeah. that it was a good, uh, good acquisition by the Rangers. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm not plugged in at all. I didn't even know that he might've gotten signed already. So that's phenomenal for them. Phenomenal yeah. for, uh, a picture that I saw here in Georgia as an amateur. So yeah, it's awesome. uh, one, we'll, one we'll, quick yeah, one quick question before we go for you. Just I know we'll touch on this come uh, next week as we do more draft stuff. But uh, what's your impressions of uh, Jackson Holiday as the number one overall pick, given given the other choices up there? Well, I mean the Orioles are always going to take a guy that they can sign for a little bit below. Uh, below the slot value so they could mm-hmm. use that later on. You already kind of saw that in the, uh, was it the comp compensation round or the competitive balance, uh, pick. Yeah. They, they ended up getting another guy that's, uh, uh, was a borderline first rounder. So they're able to sign multiple yeah. guys with that kind of savings. Uh, I really think that drew Jones is a generational talent. Um, uh, in, in a way that I thought the same thing when, Byron Buxton was taken second overall by the twins years ago. And of course, you know, yeah. uh, you can never predict the injuries or anything like that with a player. Uh, yeah. But Jones, Jones has this IQ much like his father, Andrew. Um, mm-hmm. It's so hard not to compliment uh, uh, and compare based on his dad, but there's things that this kid does and he, he's a faster runner than his dad too. So like, yeah, uh, uh, I, it's, it's going to be kind of crazy to see his development. And, uh, yeah, I, I was talking to somebody at this conference that, uh, was familiar with the Wesleyan, uh, high school team. And he's like, they mm-hmm. uh, like just the kids on that team would just watch, uh, uh, drew go after fly balls. They were almost hoping that like, they didn't have to run and, and catch anything. Cause drew was <laughs> everywhere. And his first step was so good that, that he was yeah. already onto it. So, um, I, I, I think that the Orioles did well, um, uh, and it was, it was an expected move and I actually liked their draft pick if they were, you know, if you're going to not draft Drew Jones, you're drafting the right guy in Jackson, uh, holiday, um, yeah. especially with the bloodlines as well. Um, and, and he has impressed throughout the year. Uh, the one, one scratcher I have, I, I'm, I'm just not sold on the, nationals being able to develop elijah green mm-hmm. um i i'm i'm a little apprehensive of that pick i think green would have been better for some other teams um the, there's some swing and miss in this profile uh, against better competition he's improved but he's still you know not quite where he needs to be and I, I could see kind of a struggle when he gets the full season ball and i don't know if the nationals organization is the best one to um yeah. to bring out that hit tool. But other than that, like the, the surprises were at the end of the end of the draft, like uh, 29 and 30 were like guys I didn't even consider for um, hmm. um, 
for first round consideration. Uh, we, we always do that article here at Baseball HQ, uh, scouting yep. the first round. And this year, we didn't have five of those guys. Um, but yeah. three of those guys were the last three guys left off, which was kind of funny uh, hmm. mm-hmm. off of our list. So, uh, but those other two guys, I mean, I thought that they were third round picks, fourth round picks, and, and uh, the Giants uh, and the Rays, of course, it's those two organizations. I mean, um, uh, that, yeah. that Thompson, that Thompson, what, what is that kid's name? Uh, the 30th round pick. Um, I don't have like, any. I watched him, I watched him in 2020, uh, 21 and was like, you know, this kid's a legit guy, Kentucky, uh, um, two, two, uh, two way player. But like, mm-hmm. I just didn't expect him after missing the entire year to go first round, um, 30th yeah. overall. Like that was crazy. Well, anyway, um, I think that that concludes our future game and draft uh, look for this week. Uh, yeah. As always, we do a what's on tap. And, and, and Jock, I know that like you're probably not getting out to a minor league game or anything like that. But do you have anything on tap that might interest our uh, listeners? Uh, maybe a game you're going to or oh, you're going to the All-Star game. So yeah. maybe that's yeah. it. We are going to see that, and we're going to see the home run derby tonight, which after last year particularly I'm really looking forward to. I think a lot of people are. I think last year renewed a lot of interest in the home run derby. It was such a fun event. Um, But, no, we're kind of uh, going to play the rest of the summer by year. Um, We've got a trip to San Diego semi-planned for September. Hopefully the Padres are still in it, and that's going to be at the end of September when they're playing the Dodgers. I hope it's going to be meaningful, but uh, that's that's kind of the plan, and just trying to stay on top of my West Coast teams and my fantasy teams here. How about you, Brent? What do you have on tap? Uh, I actually am not sure yet. <laughs> I get back. <laughs> I, fl- I fly back on Wednesday, and I have not looked ahead. Uh, I don't have uh, yeah the schedules in front of me to see uh, who's who's playing uh, where over the weekend. I'll, I'll probably uh, see if I can get to one game, although it, it's totally dependent. So uh, I think my my uh, my live contribution for next week may not uh, may not materialize. Uh, but there's some stuff that I caught uh, kind of the w- last week, the week before yeah. uh, I came out here that uh, may make its way into the pod. Um, saw some Akron and Bowie prospects and, uh, yeah, well, so we can, we can, yeah. uh, we, we, can we look at that. That's probably going to be two weeks. We're going to give you the, the, the week off next week. Well, I will be okay. working on draft content, both for my okay. next article, annual scouting buckets of the first round piece I do. And for next week's podcast, where I'll probably take over in the hot seat from Brent. So, okay. uh, Brent, you'll be able to be me next week where I just ask God. questions and maybe I'll be like you and bring a pal along, um, for that journey, uh, since oh, you brought you Jock go. along. Um, yep. uh, so I, I'll have to, I'll have to try to work some, some magic on that. Um, uh, but anyway, Thank you, Jock, for being on with us today. Um, it yeah. was a, it was a blast to have you, and uh, hopefully we get another futures game in Southern California, so I can come come see you uh, um, in SoCal. Absolutely, absolutely. I hope it happens. I always enjoy these events. I will say this too: I I realized I had been to Lake Elsinore um, um, before when it was a high end. I'm sorry, a high A park. Um, yeah, I had traveled there from another, we were coming from another place. For some reason, I thought it was further away from our house. 
my wife of all people reminded me today that <laughs> no, Lake Elsinore is only a little less than an hour from from uh, our house. And I'm going to try to get over there to see James Wood and Robert Hassel play before they get promoted. I might be too late, but if that happens, maybe we'll, maybe I'll join you on your podcast. Yeah, we might, we uh, might have to have you on for that. Um, well, anyway, thank you for joining us on this week's eyes have it podcast. This was a blast as usual. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Brent is at Brent HQ and you can reach me at C underscore blessing. Uh, first time listeners to our pod, click subscribe to get our future episodes and please spread the word too. even if you don't want to share it with your fantasy manager mates, uh, share it with other people on social media until next time, Brent. See you later. Yep. yep. Thanks, Chris. Uh, on, good Chris. time. And we'll be back back in the East Coast soon. All right. Hey, eyes have it listeners. PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio Podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Steve Gardner from USA Today discussing the red-hot M's and O's, the extinctions of starting pitchers, a winning manager fired, full-season all-stars, second-half surgers, and his boons and banes. Plus, we have all the usual great stuff, National and American League news analysis and our Baseball HQ commentaries. Then on Tuesday, our All-Star Break Roundtable where I'll be joined by Ray Murphy of Baseball HQ and Todd Zola of pretty much everywhere else discussing the fantasy baseball season so far and what we're expecting for the rest of the year. That's Steve Gardner, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition and the All-Star Roundtable coming Tuesday on the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. Hope you'll join us. <laughs>